0: Mr. Dent, what do you think of the theory that the mysterious I, uh, Batman is a mob enforcer killing these people? I don't have any
1: comment, no. Harvey Dent went to the dark side. You know, here's a guy who was a, a district attorney and through his disfigurement and how it affected his mind
0: became a criminal. Now, Harvey Dent becomes Two Face. And Billy D. Williams told me the reason he wanted to do the movie is because he was going to become Two Face in another movie. I was looking to create a kind of a flamboyant a guy, a guy who was bigger than life. I had uh, Adam Clayton Powell in mind when I played the character. He was not only a, a, a politician, but he was a, a reverend, a preacher, and he was a playboy. You talk about a romantic character. <laughs> Mr. Knox, we have enough problems in this city without worrying about ghosts and goblins. I I that's, not, that's not a denial. I was happy that I was asked to participate. You know, I always feel good about that because it's saying people, when they see me as an individual, as a, an actor, they're not looking at uh, me based purely on uh, my ethnicity, but looking at a certain quality that I might bring to a situation. So that made me feel very, very good. I really wanted desperately to do, obviously, Two Face. I mean, I was hoping that it would segue into that. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to see what I could do with it. It would have been different than Tommy Lee's. I got my own kind of madness. In fact, people would write about it, say, "Ah, hey, Billy D should be doing it. But, you know, well, that's the way life this show is showbiz, baby. <laughs> Please inform the citizens of Gotham that Gotham City has earned the rest from crime. But if the forces of evil should rise again... To cast a shadow
1: on the heart of the city. Call. Okay, let's, um, we're, we're here. I have hit record. I have too. So, uh, I guess this Batman minute and a half, uh, we get the, uh, the rest of Harvey Dent's speech. And I think in keeping with this, uh, particular film franchise, that means that we will no longer ever speak. Of Billy D. Williams again because <laughs> in our last Batman specific episode for Silence of the Lambs, uh we pretty much uh put the spotlight right on on him for our conversation.
2: I actually do want to reiterate one thing because we, we didn't get all the way to the speech that the last episode. Right, and and off, in yeah. hearing that, it um the, the the presentation that he gives, it further solidified for me that this was not a, a two-face that I could envision like that. When I was listening to it just now, I was like, yeah, I, I still can't. I really can't see it. So you're saying I, we're just
1: as bad as the filmmakers as far mm-hmm. as like, yeah, you're great Harvey Dent, but no further plans for two. No.
2: Yeah. I just, I, I can't, it, it, uh, it was very, um, it kind of followed that like black Southern Baptist, like Martin Luther King kind of, um, cadence right, in his voice. And that doesn't, seem like that translates to a two-face. Maybe I just don't have the the vision to see it,
1: but yeah. I would well, pick it you up and, on that. You and Tim Burton or Schumacher, or I don't know, whoever was responsible for not uh, continuing on with Billy D. Uh but his main quote that I think will tie into our uh, blockbuster going up against Batman 89 for this episode, which is Robin Hood Prince of Thieves is uh then upon listening to the speech we are introduced to Jack Nicholson who became iconic mm. as the Joker who's watching Harvey Dent on television and as this politician is talking about you know protecting the decent people that live in Gotham, he his rebuttal is that decent people shouldn't shouldn't live here. So that's kind of going with the narrative we'll see later with this version of Robin Hood that uh, this is a uh a place that has been set aside for uh really evil, I guess, to take hold. Anyone in the criminal element uh has been welcomed with open arms And it's almost like one of those things, like, you've let this go on so long, and now now you want to worry about the the decent people. Um,
2: But It's kind of victim-blaming, too, because it's like, if something bad happens to you, you knew the deal. You shouldn't have been here at this point anyway.
1: Don't you find that that's kind of often how Gotham is (laughs) framed, no matter which version of the franchise? That it's uh, a city that was lost so long ago that Mm -hmm. it's almost like Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is seen as Naive. For all of the uh, the open source business dealings and right. charity work that he'll try to do with that persona uh, for this city, for this city, you really think you're going to make a difference? And then Batman himself—I feel like the criminal elements oftentimes <laughs> look at him as a character that has shown up to the, like one of their birthday parties, be it the Joker, the Riddler, <laughs> whoever, and is like ruining their good time. Like, <laughs> no, no, this is not Metropolis. We don't have Superman here. What are you doing? Trying to save the city? Like it's it's forsaken. Just leave us alone in this this circle of hell.
2: It's just like let it die, because the goodness and the sweetness of the city is like a relic of an era that died off when, you know, Thomas and Martha Wayne passed away, right? Like that was the last chance that you may have had for, for there to be anything of redeeming quality to this city. In fact, their death is a microcosm of of everything that would go wrong in future generations. Like this is, this was that particular point where the bad happens and now just throw it all away. There's no point. Right. And I know we'll talk about like Batman begins at some point. Um, but you know, that's kind of part of, uh, Ra's al Ghul's, you know, whole thing of like, we've had to save civilizations by basically burning other ones to the ground multiple times and Gotham, is It's one of those cities <laughs> and we'll do it again. We'll burn <laughs> that bitch to the ground. There's,
1: there's no point <laughs> there's definitely um an attempt at uh, ego check here uh, in both both characters batman and robin hood because in robin hood prince of thieves uh he's been in exile and he comes back and it's almost childlike it's like people who like leave their their home go off to college and then like come back and expect everything like their bedroom to remain just so, or mm. like all the friends they left behind, everyone's still in place in this, this town. Um, and only you have moved on, but everything else is static. Right. And the Batman, both Batman and the Robin Hood characters, it feeds into the ego. I guess you need to, to be that particular hero where it's like, I can save oh. a city myself, just me showing up. I'm going to write this ship because you're mentioning the, the death of, Batman, Bruce Wayne's parents here. Um I was trying to put that in our world and I I guess on a smaller scale like in a in a small town maybe there could be you know if if someone who's so connected to everyone else uh, just due to the smaller population. Yes, but it's really like you're getting into like JFK, mm. Martin Luther King or uh Bobby Candy territory where it's like this that was the moment where the world shifted type thing. And of course it's Batman's parents uh, who, as far as we know, other than being incredibly rich, um, I don't know if anything in the source material, do we know exactly like what their life was uh, before then, as far as what, what were their particular stances and importance in Gotham other than donating money? people
2: Who were probably disconnected from the same folks that, you know, Kill them, right? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they, yeah. like, like we shouldn't have be been walking down this alley anyway because this isn't our scene, right? Um, now,
1: his victim blaming. <laughs> right. Derek quickly but, goes know, to eat the
2: rich mentality. You got shit, man. You got to do it. Um, I go back to your ego point, though, because I had not thought about this as it relates to Robin Hood or Batman. So, I'm going to touch on what you talked about, but I really want to kind of expand on this idea of. The leaving home and then coming back, right? Like, what level of ego do you have to have to not only think that everything's the same, but that you're coming back brand new, right? Like, you're coming back. I've got I've got new clothes, and this is the greenest of the green. I'm in Technicolor, baby. I'm back, and everyone else has hit pause in a vacuum, all right? So now I can show off or show myself that I am – now I'm, you know, for, like, Batman, when he would leave – uh, as Bruce, when he was a young man, and comes back with full, you know, fully trained and fully ready to take down all the bad of Gotham. Gotham's not the same Gotham that was, you know, even there when he left, right? Like now, you have this Rogues Gallery of just like really crazy uh, villains that probably weren't there when you first left. It was like the Falconies, but now you get back and there's like the Riddler and the Penguin because because things have that trajectory. It's just gotten worse, right? And so both of them kind of come from a place of either naivety or just, you know, they're very egocentric thinking, you No, know, everything was like a Zach Morris timeout. I went and transformed myself, now come back to a city that, that I'm prepared for. And a lot of times they, you know, you can make the argument that Batman, as, as prepared as he always is, probably didn't expect this level of crazy. He expected Jack Napier. He didn't expect the Joker, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we are introduced to Jack Nicholson's version of the Joker before, uh, Mm. his skin turns white, his hair turns green here. uh, He's also someone that's incredibly comfortable with the status quo. So, in talking about Batman's origin, it's kind of interesting, just briefly, uh, this character. And I think it's one of the elements of the film that uh, I prefer um, to, say, The Dark Knight. And I love the way the Joker is introduced in that is just like an idea. He's just like a concept. We we really don't know anything about him personally other than the the bullshit stories that he constantly tweaks and reveals about himself. But here, I do think that Joker especially in the in the the fan base, people really want Joker and Batman to be like the 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 flip side of the coin, like of each oh, other. Yeah. They they like that connection. I've never really gotten into that because I I think I prefer the sort of Heath Ledger version, where he's just a uh, just an idea we're battling against. Uh, but I do think it kind of applies here with Nicholson's version because he's not that different from how we're talking about Thomas Wayne, as far as he's very well off. Uh, he feels comfortable enough to, you know, his version of walking down the alley as we're introduced to this woman that he's sleeping with, uh, who is his boss's girl. So he, right. I mean, he's really biting he seems the hand to be that feeds one of the most him. powerful people in Gotham. Mm-hmm. His yeah. Boss. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so there's also an ego in play there where even in the criminal element, uh, they can't avoid risk. It's like that. They want to test the limits of their power by really putting themselves in danger. And yeah, this is going to be like a 10 minute intro of us just victim blaming <laughs> lip, <laughs> left and right, even when the victim here happens to be the guy who will become the Joker. Um, but it's important that in this version of his origin story as a supervillain, uh, it is because he's betrayed the the people he's aligned with. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, yes, Batman's a part of it, too. I mean, like, he's the one that drops him, uh, as we'll see in a later episode, uh, in a later minute and a half. But, yeah, you're seeing that put in place here where not only is he dismissive of the danger he's in, but when the woman... Tries to sort of establish her power is that she's like I'm a you know I'm a dangerous relationship to have, and (laughs) he's just like basically like (laughs) you're just (laughs) one of many to me. Yeah, (laughs) like there's no difference.
2: It it seems like going back to his quote, "Good people shouldn't live here." He's made his peace with with whatever outcome could occur, right? Like part of that's probably ego. Like, well, I'm Jack Napier, and it's going to happen to me. And the other part of it's like, well, we play dangerous games, right? Like, so there is risk involved with what I'm doing every day with my Tommy gut and my suit, right? So he's, he's looking at her like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what Carl Grissom would do. He'd hand me whatever. I've been there, done that, right? I'm like 55 years old myself, so <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't new to me.
1: And he's also Jack Nicholson. He looks exactly. like Jack Nicholson, sounds like Jack Nicholson. It's, uh,
2: and his yeah. name is Jack yeah right? like yeah. like he's just jack nicholson it doesn't matter with white paint or not it's jack nicholson the whole way through just getting to have fun so
1: so i think this will work as far as uh we lead into our robin hood prince of Thieves conversation because uh we have on uh hiro as our i guess kevin costner expert but uh in this discussion <laughs> those things we- exist <laughs> I, I I found myself I think it's a product of age cuz I found myself tweeting uh at Dave who was a guest on the uh, the very previous episode for Remains of the Day uh for our show Offscreen Death uh a Waterworld my excitement to revisit uh that film which I distinctly remember as a kid thinking Kevin Costner was a dork and now <laughs> on Yellowstone I find myself like I'm like I guess this is just product of being old because my dad liked Kevin Costner and now I'm liking Kevin Costner and he's about the most Vanilla white. I was gonna say he's like middle aged white time. guy. Yeah, yeah right? forever. And, and that's <laughs> Since not even he was like young. a slight.
2: That's not. <laughs> it's just he fits. He fits that mold perfectly. Of just you expect his pants to be pulled up really high and him to be wearing like. You can basically or put
1: any white guy in his shoes, yeah. or any white guy can envision himself as Kevin Costner because there's there's there is no Jack Nicholson quality to him where there's like a specific vitality, or or quirk to him, uh, or no. like a gleam of his eyes. He is... <laughs> I look at Kevin Costner, and this, if Hyrule's listening back to himself, which, why wouldn't he? He's going to hate this introduction. I look at Kevin <laughs> Costner. It's like one of those like Nintendo Miis, or like an Avatar, <laughs> which is just a generic... It's very default. Generic white, <laughs> handsome oh, dude. <laughs> see, that's
2: what my wife calls Richard Jefferson. She says he looks like a 2K like, creative <laughs> player before you've done anything to his face.
1: <laughs> so, uh... I'm not going to touch that. You can you can speak to that. I'll just pick on Kevin Costner, and we'll continue yeah. to do so uh, for the the rest of this episode, where we also talk about how much more interesting the uh, villain is uh, in mm. this this film, uh, which you know that's that's a, sort of the bane of the Batman franchise, and uh, Alan Rickman uh, makes sure that his Sheriff of Nottingham kind of plays uh, that that particular part of being more interesting than Kevin Costner, which is Two, not hard. Almost
2: ripey villains too, kind of way.
1: I like how you set me up right at the very end. And be like, <laughs> Mike likes them more interesting when they rape. <laughs> That's what he finds fascinating. I,
2: I, I was just not reminded of that. Uh-huh. No wonder.
1: All right, so here's our episode on how much we love rape.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes the cut. So <laughs>
1: you have to understand, music's playing at that point. Right. The clip. It's kind of well. like drifting off a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. unless people will hit that 30 second back, they're like, wait, what? And then... You wish to end this? Uh, I'll make sure. Yeah, to end yeah, it. Right.
3: You wish to go home? Then we must stop fighting amongst ourselves and face at the price for it may be dear. And I, for one, would rather die than to spend my life in hiding. The sheriff calls us outlaws. But I say we are free.
0: <laughs>
3: and one free man defending his home is more powerful than ten hired soldiers. The Crusades taught me that. I will make you no promises save one. That if you
2: truly believe in your hearts that you are free, then I say we can win.
3: They got armor! Yeah. They got armor, bull. Even this boy can be taught to find the chinks in every suit of armor. But
0: we ain't got nothing to
3: eat! What do we need that the forest cannot provide? We have food, wood for weapons. We'll find safety and solace in our trees.
0: Yeah, but what about our kid? Should've taken all they got, too.
1: And by God, we take it back. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, Robin Hood. That the, that's chronologically the first one, right? Sure. Sure. Such enthusiasm for for Robin Hood. <laughs> uh Derek, you're are you recording? I know yeah. Hiro is. He's probably recording yes. all of this. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> all right, so Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Um this one's mainly I was going to take the blame for this one, fellas. Uh but thankfully I have a guest who is president of the Kevin Costner fan club who attempted in a half ass way, to do an, a month on Kevin Costner, and he slimmed it down to to one episode on the True Romance Film Podcast. <laughs> so since I want to get that entire month, I'm just now stretching it out across various podcast feeds. So Hiro, uh, of Marcus Played, the better podcast, is coming on. Yes,
3: to... the only one that's still alive. Yeah, that
1: probably helps too. Uh, you're coming on to do uh, first of a two-parter on Kevin Costner, as he had... One film that I put on this list and one that my co-host Derek put on the list. And they share a similar theme. I didn't realize that Robin Hood Prince of Thieves made $390 million. The, the whole premise of the show is Batman 89 versus blockbusters that followed. Batman, the Tim Burton version, made $411 million. This is very close. One of these I see is like a classic that's t- to be revisited throughout the years. And the other one I've looked upon as, oh, yeah, that was kind of a joke, right? Kevin Costner trying to do an English accent. Everyone kind of laughed at that. And has had not has, this film has not had a legacy. But I think Hyrule is going to tell me otherwise because uh, off mic, you were saying that you've seen this one a number of times. So you're one of the people Numbers that has times. revisited this film. So you're here to defend this uh, travesty.
3: Oh, oh OK. A travesty. I you know, we're getting off on the on the wrong foot here. You got me on my heels calling it a travesty. This is a glorious movie. I don't understand this is so this is nineteen ninety one. I was in like tenth grade or something, give or take. So it was a it was like a really big event. I remember the trailer coming up and that big swooping music, all that stuff. This was like uh right there with like Terminator two judgment day of like big anticipation of films. It was right uh right and, behind
1: and, it for the year. It was number two behind T uh, two d- for that year.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and and you know we talked a little bit off mic, and everybody gives us what we wanted. Everybody turned that thing up to eleven. You know, you've got uh, Hans Gruber going bonkers, Christian Slater doing his best Jack Nicholson thing over a lot and over yelling, and over.
1: A lot of a lot of emoting whenever he is on the on the screen. He uh, he's going to uh, take Kevin Costner to task. I think actually that's his only role in the film. Right, is to. Uh, take down Robin Hood a peg. He's the one guy saying he's not that great. He's not that good. I like that <laughs> about him.
3: Everybody loves
1: him except, except for one Christian guy. Yeah. yeah. I have a feeling that my co-host <laughs> did not love this movie um, and doesn't feel as highly as you about it. I feel like he's the Christian Slater trigger Kevin Costner.
2: <laughs> Naturally. I am, I am the... Exactly. I am the naysayer. I think... Well, I, since I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm at least... Uh, the opposite end, I think, uh, as far as the enjoyment of this film. Uh, but at the same time, and we talk about this uh, quite often, of the growing up, right, with this property. And you know, higher, you were saying, it came out. You were in tenth grade. It was, it was an event. It was something that everybody How old was were kind you, of. By the way, uh, let's see. So that depends as far as what time period in 1991. I'm either two or three. So. <laughs> Oh. fairly.
3: See, I see how you see what you doing here, Michael. You're trying to be ageist. You son of a bitch. <laughs>
1: so, so I didn't, didn't not say the material the, the same Plater. way. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's the uh, the uh, what is it? Uh, little John's baby being cut out of the uh, the the stomach there. That's Derek. That's the exactly. born. I do have a little complaint before I hand the ball back to Derek. There's a lot of baby blood being freely shared by hmm. these people. No one washes their hands. Nothing going on there. Like Pre-COVID, People touching each other's heads. This is your COVID yeah.
3: eyes talking, though. Right? you no, full COVID. I mean,
1: there's a little bit of that. I'll the, admit, Hyro, there's stuff the I'm, I'm watching now where I probably do have COVID on the brain. Where I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. But this is, you know, we just pulled a, a baby out of a, a woman's stomach. And everyone's just like, you know, doing the thing where they're just grabbing someone on the top of their head, <laughs> patting them lovingly. And I'm like, please don't. Come on now, like there's, there's got to be a creek nearby, or something. <laughs> I don't Just know so how much. big
2: Tajin would have been though. Eleven, what tenth, eleventh century? Ah, eh, they probably weren't worried well, about it. worse I mean, you got Kevin things. Costner
1: covering himself in shit, which I understood mm. that. That's a practical, that's a tactic, right? He's trying yeah. to. Taking you this dress role. him down a little bit, yeah. though,
3: mm-hmm. man. He's too handsome. He's too good looking. <laughs> he probably smells like fucking strawberries <laughs> and cherries. You got to like, you know, dumb him down a little bit. Otherwise, he's going impregnita- to impregnate Hold half England.
1: Are you a fan of uh, his haircut in this?
3: No, that is you've, you've accused Shadow me of Steven's having level this bad
1: haircut during COVID times.
3: It's it's you know what it is that haircut right there that he has is, it's thinning
1: mm-hmm. so far yes. But I'm
3: letting it grow long. But you can kind of see through it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just it's hanging on. It's very you know what he reminds me of Neil Young, like a little bit of younger Neil Young.
1: I don't think Costner would. Uh would take that as a as an insult, though. Like, it seems like he's kept his haircut throughout his career, where he's just going to hang on to what he has. Um, except for our, our second film. When we get into the bodyguard here. Oh, in a few weeks. And he goes with the Caesar. We'll talk yeah. about that. The yeah. Caesar. Yeah. Yes. All right, Derek, what else do you hate about this? Oh, gosh. Um, Morgan Freeman? as uh, <laughs> Morgan Freeman's fine.
2: As yeah, I mean, Vance? Yeah, it's just another, I mean, it's just a Morgan Freeman type of, very similar to like uh, as we'll talk it, it, at some point like he's in Unforgiven he's just the he's the, the counterpart the sidekick I, they do play off that, that uh, the whole idea of like the, the painted man a lot in this film like it, it's a, mm. an ongoing theme. salam little one
0: did God paint you did God paint me <laughs> I said. why Because Allah loves
2: wondrous variety. Similarly, though, and I did mention this in in a chat that we had uh, with with Costner and his his affinity for... um, interracial dating right so mm-hmm. and he mentions this actually he's, <laughs> he's talking to morgan freeman he's like tell me more about these more women and i said it's a com- it's a thing it carries on throughout he's just got a thing um i mean he likes it, what he likes well who who are we listen, to judge there's a lot of know? judgment that could take place in this movie
3: <laughs> i thought you were going to go straight to like slapstick rape
2: oh no no okay actually it, that probably, I'm trying to think, that might be my biggest issue with this entire film, and I don't know if it's the, the vibe or what they're going for as far as...
3: The fact that you were laughing?
2: Yeah, that was probably, you know, one of the things that we've, if you talk about like shows like Game of Thrones, which is really graphic with a lot of their their uh, sexual scenes or their assaults, things of that nature, at least there's a certain sensitivity to like the subject matter, right? Um, but this this final this big final act where um, uh, the the sheriff is with uh, Maid Marian and that whole like, well, I have to get this done. Like, I have to insert myself. yeah He in leaves the procedure. He's got to yeah, get
1: married first. Before yeah, he fucks.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah he's no, a man I mean, of honor. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, but the way they played that up, that whole like attempted rape scene, was probably one of the more uncomfortable things I've seen as far as <laughs> expecting them to take... If you're going to go that route with the character... I mean, and, and I thought he was the best of, of anything of the entire film. But that whole moment just really just separated me from the entire film in, in a way I, I'm not entirely sure I can describe. It just... What, what was the tone here?
3: Um, I don't know if they... They're going with, like, a full, like, Star Wars thing where you're cutting through three different parts. Yeah. Right? So one is the battle. The other is, like, the sword play
1: or and something the else. Rape. And then the <laughs> rape.
0: Like, like, if we did this in Star Wars, it would be like
1: Yoda making a move on somebody. <laughs> the closest we get to is probably uh, – To Duel of the Fates. Uh, well, hell, even someone like Jabba the Hutt has enough decency not to do that – in the middle of a fight scene um, Actually it's I guess
0: uh, I mean
1: he could have made his, he's Pulling that
3: chain pretty tight and, and throwing that tongue around Pretty vicious I would say
1: he's the one that gets the assault there when the, when the chains are broken out It's it's Leia that turns the tables on him But I I do agree with Derek Actually I One thing I disagree with Derek on is that's the part of the film I enjoyed the most when it's just like You know what <laughs> Fuck this movie like We're going to do whatever we want <laughs>
0: Close the gate this with your
1: life. Bring the bishop to night chapel. We're
0: doomed. It is rebellion, my lord. We must escape. Marius! No! I will never marry you. That's my wife, Crone. She away. She's ripe.
3: She will give us a son. You must take her now. I will not
2: take her until we are properly wed for once. In my life, I will have something pure. Will you stop interfering? Tis madness
1: to delay.
0: Yeah. What? Yeah. Ah! Them
1: or face me. I'll agree with you. The uh, sort of the, the wistfulness of, of Robin Hood is the legend when it's Kevin Costner. That's already kind of out the window. Like it's uh, I did read some, I guess, feedback, that even though this was very successful in the UK, <clears throat> that apparently they were not happy that uh, an American was playing Robin Hood, which
3: hmm.
1: I don't know if they've got any leg to stand on there.
3: Oh man, they they kissed my ass. They took they took Spider Batman, man. they took fucking Superman, yeah, Spider they, Man. Get yeah. out of here with that. So
1: or you know, maybe that's their, their ultimate revenge. It's like, okay, Kevin Costner, <laughs> Americans got Prince of Thieves, we're gonna take Batman and Spider Man, and I think we probably got screwed in that particular deal. But when they really skew this from the lens of the Alan Rickman version of the Sheriff of Nottingham, I'm really into the movie, like really into it. Like his, his thought process. Like we, we talked about hair, right. And how I'm in my COVID times really going for the Costner. Look, we, when there's a fight scene where Costner as Robin Hood takes a swing with a sword and stops mid fight to show him that he has cut some of the locks of, of Rickman with this horrible sort of wig that he's got going on and the pain that the sheriff feels. And he actually reaches and gasps for the missing hair I loved all of it. I I totally, totally got this guy. I liked that he was a fan of process and procedure. That he was going to do things the right way, even though he's involved with witchcraft. Which, Tyra, did you watch? Have you seen the extended cut of this?
3: I don't think I have. I've got like I've got the original DVD that first time, first bought in like the '90s, late '90s or something like that. So probably Uh, not. I think you got to like turn it over. Okay. That's how old that DVD um, is. So
1: apparently, uh, in the Kevin Reynolds version, the director here, he was unhappy because I think Costner uh, and Company, his his entourage, took over uh, the editing. Which apparently there's a lot more Rickman in the extended cut. So that might be worth five twenty nine, not Boomerang, but the extended cut of this of a film I didn't really much care for. I may actually pony up for that. Uh, apparently a lot of Rickman stuff was cut out because. Uh, Costner justifiably realized that he was being upstaged by the villain. That sure. that actually was where more of the fun elements of the films were.
3: That's interesting, because they went on to, keep, to work together a lot more. Right? They did Waterworld, another great Costner film that you is should Rickman be covering. In
1: Waterworld? I don't remember that.
3: No, it's. Oh, uh, you're talking about Reynolds? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. the director. Yeah, Reynolds. Uh, yeah, and then also uh, he did the Hatfields and McCoy series, hmm. which is actually really good. If you but like, no Rickman, uh, like you're Costner. saying
1: you're saying there actually was bad blood there. Maybe. I don't know. Just go all out, Hyro. Just, you know, without any sort of evidence, just claim Be definitive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this is but it. apparently in the extended version, the one Reynolds wanted, it was uh, quite a bit darker. Um, maybe, Derek, that would have fixed some tonal issues. Maybe. Uh, when you're introducing rape uh, on your, your wedding day, uh, the mom... Uh, uh, the witch is the, the mother of the sheriff, Nottingham, and apparently she's the big Palpatine-like character who's been putting this all into play, kind of moving her idiot sheriff's son around like a chess piece.
3: <laughs> is she the son? Is that Only in the mother? extended
1: version. Uh, that was cut oh, in the extended yeah, all, version. All okay. that was cut out.
3: Because in the, in the original version, I believe it was his sister.
1: Wait, the witch is his sister? I would have liked that more. I thought so. Or
2: if they'd actually kind of expounded on that idea.
3: In well in the original No. Yeah, no, I think it's a sister in the in the original movie. I didn't get that at all. Actually I, like I didn't
1: it. really even understand what the witch was doing. because um, they, they have a weird dynamic anyway. I'll tell you what
3: she's doing, she's turning it up.
1: <laughs> well she's mixing powders and liquids around Spit. and
3: <laughs> chicken feet.
1: <laughs> uh and you know, there there's a little bit of a back and forth over how to how to handle their, their evil plotting business, which I, I did like.
2: She has an interaction with uh, Morgan Freeman, where it's like the two spiritual sidekicks have mm. to have their big mm. to do. But other than that, I mean, I mean, she's fine. I'd, I I would have liked it though had they been a little bit more consistent with the tone. So if you were to go darker, I mean, the sheriff still kills his cousin. Just like straight up, It's like stab, you're dead, you're done. I don't have time for anyone that's basically not running this on the level that I want to run this on.
1: Which is funny because it's very uh, Trump-like and how <laughs> and how incompetent mm, there we go. Rickman's version. Like, I actually forgot. Like, I'm like, okay, Alan Rickman is the villain here. Uh, you know, I'm expecting Hans Gruber as Hyrule Lutu, where he's like kind of the smartest guy in the room. He's really... Uh, like Hyrule was at the beginning of this podcast, he's on his heels almost the entire (laughs) runtime. He's like befuddled as far as how to handle the simplest thing, like this public hanging they're having in the, uh, I guess the final set piece of the film. Basically, they are not prepared that if anyone shows up and starts (laughs) shooting an arrow around, all of this is for naught. And I, I love that because I'm actually a huge fan of bumbling villains. I hate villains that just cannot be bested until like the last 10 seconds of the fight with something incredibly stupid that they forget. I like the fact that there's a little bit of humanity in this sheriff that's far more present than I think the Robin Hood character, who, he feels (laughs) like a video game character to me. Feels like he moves from level to level, uh, like the revelation that, uh, you know, spoiler alert if you care about this film, that uh, Christian Slater is actually his brother, like uh, a bastard son that was, was kicked out of the Loxley home. And you know it's it's over within a flash. It's like wait, no, was he kicked out? He wasn't kicked out. He was just the peasant stay in the little house. wife or the peasant the mom uh, was. Woman, yeah.
2: woman was kicked
1: out. Yeah,
2: while eh. she was a child. <laughs>
1: Yeah. See, now, Hyrule's version of Robin Hood here, if that was his reaction, would be way more in the Rickman camp, where he's a little bit befuddled? Like, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can take 100% ownership of this. Instead, it's an immediate hug after yes. almost
2: being betrayed, after being shit on by this little guy the entire film. I still would be pretty mad. I don't care if you are my my brother that I've just now met for the first time. We still have to have a long conversation about you being an <laughs> asshole. <laughs>
3: I mean, he was just a bully. That's all. I mean, you know, like let like people go to war and figure it all out. I mean, cut the guy some slack.
2: Are we cutting? Like, are we cutting um, Robin Hood slack or Robin
1: Hood's little brother? Which one do we? A
3: oh, Robin Hood. I'm always yeah, on Team about Robin Hood here. Uh,
1: that's gonna be Costner is the answer. Uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever the case may be. It's always gonna be Costner. That's the Hiro answer. has a big bit about Man of Steel, which gives me pause about doing a full month of Costner with him. Uh, because you were a big defender in, in that film, which actually will be coming up on this podcast. We probably have Ooh, to do that you okay. know, way down the line. Because yeah. um, I always really hated how uh, Costner's uh, Papa Kent goes out. And you were a big mm. defender of that of that sequence.
3: Big. I mean, aside from the dog thing, which I I figured you would be leaning more into because you're such a big pet lover.
1: You break but, out the super speed then you know, there. Yeah.
3: That's when mm-hmm. you gotta let it. Look, Look, it's time to go. It's your dad. You oh, I was talking I mean? about come on. The
1: dog, but yeah, the dad, too. Like.
3: The dad, too. I mean, both of them. I mean, Were you just leaving your dad there? Just get <laughs> he the said, dog? no.
1: He said, don't. The dog, though. The dog probably would to be fucking saved. But... <laughs> the dog's gonna go paw up. <laughs> just like, come on, man.
3: I've seen what you can do, punk. You know? Hey, there's a. There's a, there's a a genuine humanity in Costner. Even in this? Like he, even he, in Robin he, Hood? In everything. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. Everything. I mean, everywhere. <laughs> everything. I mean, it's just there's something about Kevin Costner and like his resting face. That is just a resting kind gentle dude. Costner face.
2: He's a yeah. Midwestern 50s dad.
3: Right. Is what he is. Yeah,
1: yes. Okay, but and do you all like him as this sort of puckish? I was going like, to say young person at the beginning <laughs> of the film, where he's kind of jokey and he's like introducing Morgan Freeman to his country, and he's always cracking wise. That actually kind of put me back because I'm like, I don't know if I've seen Costner like this. Hmm. He's giddy. He's home. It's like it's like you go to you you
3: you know. I remember being in the army, and we'd uh, my first Thanksgiving home, uh, a friend of mine who you know he did he was going to have to stay in the barracks. So he's gonna be alone. So I was like, "Hey, why don't you come to Miami?" I was very plucky to excited to show this this cat from like Midwestern God knows <laughs> That's where, also probably Miami, Red Kentucky, compared to yeah. Drizzly Topeka or wherever,
1: hair, <laughs> where people people have no food and are starving mm. to death. A little bit different. I, I agree with.
3: Oh, I took him to. I took this Midwestern kid to South Beach, and we get out of the car, and immediately there's like two dudes holding hands in speedos, and it was. Yeah. uh I knew what Kevin Costner felt at that moment right there. Just pride, be me with pride.
1: Derek, what's the transition Ah, back to the movie? Off. Shit, man.
3: We could always transition to Boomerang.
1: (laughs) Didn't watch it. I'm waiting for Eddie Murphy month. Yeah, we do our Costner month and then Eddie Murphy month. December 2021,
3: right? Right. Plan. Terrible behavior.
1: It's. I'll
2: say this. Robin Hood's not the worst film in the world, and that's probably <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm gonna say for the next. Put film, it on the uh, box as well. It's not the worst film I've ever seen, uh, and it's like uh, Rickman's fantastic overall. I just don't like that final
1: scene, and it's. Me ask this, Are you yeah. a fan of Robin Hood, the the story, the, like the, any of the versions at all. at
2: all? It's fine. Eh, I mean, it, I mean, it's a fine story arc. And, and it's one that's been, you know, I mean, it's been around for centuries at this point. I think it's one of those, uh, the, the narrative itself is not really all that fleshed out. We know the, the whole shtick of of stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Like, it's so deeply embedded in so many other folktales. But we just kind of know at this point what that looks like. And I don't really know while watching it if any new fresh coat of paint is really going to feel like a fresh coat of paint. It's just going to feel somewhat redundant. So I knew how, obviously, the majority of this film was going to play out, and it was okay for what it was. And I almost think, very similarly to kind of when we talked about Dick Tracy, is Costner a little, not that he's too old, but does he appear a little too old for this role? I don't know. He's a little wooden. Like, he's a little stiff. A a little bit. Like, I don't
1: expect him to be very athletic and to, you know. The fight scenes are pretty weak. Yeah. fight scenes look kind of awkward at times. Now, I'm also trying to do, you know, put myself in the headspace of, like, well, the time period. Uh, Things can't be too glamorous. However, (laughs) in the final action sequence, when they, they interrupt Rickman's public hangings... Things go beautifully over the top, where I feel like they throw out the sort of uh, more Errol Flynn like uh, Swa- It's, it's G- actual yeah.
2: swashbuckling, right? Yeah, I mean, it's... they
1: throw they throw that stuff out. and Have some explosions behind Costner in slow mo <laughs> as he fires a flaming arrow.
2: Just for that tenth grader erection,
3: <laughs> and that hair is perfect. Yeah, it juxtaposed against the fire, it all becomes one. It's like a, it's like. Uh, like white phoenix (laughs) you know just coming to you
1: hiro so you you were a fan of this even as a young man and it's carried forward
3: absolutely this is a formative for me man but
1: is is, so is it just this movie or is it like robin hood like i i've not seen like i know they did a recent one with uh ridley scott and russell crowe i didn't watch that
3: there's one after that too with uh jamie fox and uh taron edgerton Hmm. I've seen all of them.
1: Okay, so yeah. you you stick with this well, uh, eat the rich super. It's not that I
3: stick with it; is it, they're always on the plane. They're always <laughs> on the plane on the little scrolling thing for whatever reason. It's like the Robin Hood collection, and you know, the last few years living in Germany, I did a lot of traveling back and forth to the states. A lot of a lot of shit that I watched, uh, but I did watch that Taron Egerton thing. Jamie Foxx. he's no Morgan Freeman. Let me tell you that. That speech that uh, that Morgan Freeman gives, you know, and he's, like, pumping up the crowd, that's the hype man that, that I need. Was that
2: necessary? Like, sh- like shouldn't yes, they have just known at us. this point, hey, we're going to help Robin Hood out. We're not just going to immediately leave when we get our kid <laughs> off from being hung. Like, I, later. I, did,
1: I must admit confusion because I was like, wait, I thought the plan was this is our final stand. We're here to, to, to tear this this whole thing down. Right, And I was confused that as soon as uh, – I guess, you know, one of the, 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 white Phoenix explosions that Hiro was talking about, uh, mm. Costner standing there with the money shot and they just see a hole in the wall now that they, they can run through. I was very confused. I was like, wait, you want to go back to the woods and continue to hash this out? You want to let them, uh, get their men together, get more, um, uh, what the, the Celts coming through these, these like mercenaries. I, I, I'm on the side of Derek here that I thought, wait a minute now. Why is Morgan Freeman having to remind them? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This may not be the best long-term course of action. Like, let's just get this done now while our main threat, our nemesis, is worried about getting the nuptials (laughs) ran through. Like, not worried about fighting. The nuptials. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Really? Ran through. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, there's plenty of <laughs> shots of her legs being forcibly <laughs> spread. And
3: in her giant blue, yeah. like whatever. The- <laughs>
1: and yet again, to Derek's point, it's played almost to comedic effect. Like, look at this dumb shit. Like he's he's going to let Robin Hood get him just because he's obsessed with having sex for the first time in his life.
3: Ah uh, no, that's not true. Because don't forget, he's invited girls three or four at a time to his party room. He did not say ten thirty, ten forty-five. Bring a friend. <laughs> the guy is very virile, man. I
1: actually had a question about that, Hiro. I liked that version of the character where he's like, like, I'm a villain. I can be James Bond too. I can just have him <laughs> just brought to brought to my room like that." This is and then slap him. This is uh as, this is
3: uh, as King Richard is wont to do at the end.
1: Does King Richard slap a woman? Sean Connery it. does oh. yeah,
2: just Random two second appearance
1: I probably would have liked if he just randomly I guess slapped a woman on his wife <laughs> like, Oh man there it is
3: <laughs> Michael Denniston well, Grand gesture <laughs> is slapping
0: people
1: My question is With the Rickman character I was troubled by the fact that he is so He seems like a uh, You know a teenager in the backseat of a car Fumbling mm. with the bra straps there On his wedding day As he I mean his life is in danger And he's trying to get this done. He's trying to conceive a child right then and there with his weird non-mom in this version, mom in the extended cup, hype man, witch off to the side, like prodding him on. I actually went back to that scene where he tells the the two to, you know, to have the 15 minute intervals (laughs) of coming to his room. Is that all like, is he faking it? Is he like faking being the guy? Because like the, at the end of the movie, he has played far more comedically. I wondered if it's, it's like showing it again. This guy was not ready uh, to be the king. He's not ready to be like a tyrant. He just doesn't have it.
3: Well, I mean, to be fair... When he's inviting them back to his room, that's his controlled environment, right? Like that's his bedroom, that's his his place of business, where I'm sure he's got the lighting just right, the music set, all that stuff. He could pump it out, roll them out like Will Chamberlain. However, have you ever tried to um, make sweet, passionate love while sword fighting and and
1: White Phoenix going off? You tell this me. This is about back the to Denison. the very can foundation
2: of the grand gesture. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah, Mike, come on, Mike, you can go first.
1: I I am thinking that. Uh you know, maybe you, you wait to, to ram that through uh, another day. Uh, mm. Maybe, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the influence of the witch where she's saying it's got to be on this this day. It's been prophesied. I don't know. Honestly, I honestly also don't care because I'm enjoying those, those moments. But if you're looking at it through the, I guess the reality of the characters, like their lens, it's very questionable decision-making, knowing that you're, <laughs> you're a little... <laughs> uh castle around you is on fire and all of your men are, are fleeing and you've got these savages from the woods coming for your head. Uh, we even have what his like high priest mm-hmm. thrown out a window by Friar Tuck. Like all, all bets are off the table now. So I'm just saying for, uh, self-preservation, you know, maybe move the wedding. You know, you're upset. Your wedding day was ruined. Public hanging was ruined. Does it have to be that day? Think about ovulation days. like Come back
2: around um. once a month. So, I it's mean, science. I, it's science. Could have waited even like a couple of hours and probably
1: still would have been ripe. That's so. a better subtitle than Prince of Thieves, there, Derek. Robin Hood ovulation. <laughs> <laughs> All bets are <laughs> off. I'm, I'm nodding. I like that Derek called it
3: ripe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How
1: do you think, Cairo, this would hold up if this was a new release? Not obviously in COVID times, but. Uh, in a modern setting, let's say 2015 or whenever whenever the Jamie Foxx version came out that i apparently just missed entirely. Do you think this is like the number two box office hit? And I, I read somewhere the uh, that its opening weekend was like the most financially successful for something that was not a direct sequel. It was the biggest or, you know, quote unquote original, even though it's a Robin Hood version. It's an IP. Uh, yeah, it's it's strange to me that basically what it had going for it was Kevin Costner playing Robin hood and not doing it with such a degree of confidence. I mean, going into the English accent that kind of comes and goes like, were, were people in 91, just far more forgiving. Like it's like, okay let's go see Kevin Costner play Robin hood.
3: He, I mean, he's coming off of, this is the immediate follow up to dancing with the wolves where he's basically at the peak of his powers, right? He is, he has just won the Academy award by stealing it from *Goodfellas*. Um, there we go. And he he's getting all these accolades. I mean, he's he's on a pretty good run, you know, right before. He goes, uh, Untouchables, No Way Out, Bulls, Our Own Field of Dreams, something called the Gunrunner Revenge, Days of the Wolves, Prince of Thieves. So, I mean, he's a, a, a monster star, which we don't have anymore. We don't really have these. Our, the stars now are our properties, are, you know, the comic books or the Harry Potters or whatever. The property is a star, not so much the individual, right? I mean... I mean, other than the Rock, the Rock isn't doing these kind of numbers. You know, he's doing well for himself, but he's not dragging them in like, like O. K. C. was.
1: I'm trying to think of the closest modern approximation to Robin. This Robin Hood. Uh, I don't know. They, tr- they some- keep
3: trying to do it. They did it with the uh, uh, your boy, the, the other one that beats people. Um, uh, <laughs> the
1: other one that from, beats people
3: from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: You're still going to be more specific. You know, Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a penal colony. Gladiator. So.
3: What? Um... <laughs> not to be confused with penile colony, um, but... Uh, uh, God, what the fuck is his name? Gladiator. Russell Crowe. That guy. They did it with him, too.
1: I just edited an episode where you got on to me for not remembering uh, Mads Mickelson's last name. Uh, <laughs> you were calling me out, and you're forgetting Russell, <laughs> Russell Crowe. But I'm... The, you know, I'm the dork for not remembering. I will Matt say Michelson. that
3: Matt Mickelson is more contemporary. Like Matt Mickelson is Russell Crowe. Yeah, I mean he's taken over for another beater,
1: Johnny Depp. Well, thank you for listening. The grand gesture <laughs> started with rape and ended with domestic violence. Our favorite actors who are charged with such crimes.
3: When you're ripe, you're ripe. I'll
2: skip sending the link of this to my wife. We'll just we'll just go <laughs> this episode to the next
0: one. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, don't do it.
1: Yeah, Hiro. When you come back for the bodyguard, just make sure to do a lot of uh, callbacks to this, so people have to to double down and check this out. Um, I I remain somewhat shocked and unconvinced that this was such a huge hit, but we have to cover it uh, much like the bodyguard. We just have to do it. Costner was on a streak back then. And uh, even something like uh, I was gonna go with Troy with Brad Pitt. I don't feel like it was as big of a hit as something like this. And that's, you know, I think people may have an idea of what that was, but it's mainly just like, oh, Brad Pitt with a sword. I think that's kind of what it was, was here. I don't think American audiences really cared that much that it was Robin Hood. I think it was just Costner at the yes, peak of his I'd agree.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um,
1: all right, uh, let's let's uh, let's end on that. Somewhat high note before we get back into uh, a laundry list of the evils that Kevin Costner has committed that Hyros just got (laughs) ready and waiting. Uh, Where can people find more Costner talk eventually, most assuredly? Oh, oh,
3: you can find lots of boomerang talk on Marcus Play. Uh, How about that?
1: uh, Maybe. We'll see. You have to stick with that feed for a long time just to wait for (laughs) that episode to drop. All right. uh, I'm going to put you both on the spot. Let's just do it here. Let's do it on the podcast. Okay. Both of you want Uh me to do boomerang. So Marcus played. Hiro and I are trying to do. Uh, we're gonna try to do Mount Rushmore like months. So Kevin Costner. Thankfully, we've covered Robin Hood. So now it's it's no longer allowed to be on that. Which I don't know if it would be anyway um, for for mine. Hiro's list. Well, Eddie Murphy. Yep. Derek, give me give me a quick Mount uh, Rushmore. Eddie Murphy. If we're doing a month, saying let's celebrate this man. What are four films that we coming play?
2: to America, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, definitely Boomerang. I almost want to jokingly say Vampire in Brooklyn, but I won't. Um, oh. And uh, Trading Places. Ooh. I'll go with those.
3: So I will also go with uh, Coming to America and uh, and Boomerang. Um, the one I, I, I really didn't like was 48 Hours. I'm not a 48 Hours
1: cat. The only one of those I've seen is... Uh, no, I've seen two. Trading Places and Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, I think I've seen... All the Beverly Hills Cop movies? Were there three or four? I've seen at least three. There's okay, three. I've seen three.
3: I think they're going to do a fourth. Yeah.
1: Coming to America 2? Coming out in March, I believe, on Amazon Prime? Derek Just, is shaking his head. I mean, I don't know. Usually when you have that kind of a gap. A uh, comedy gap in particular. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I don't know, man. After seeing Dolomite, mm-hmm. I'm all in on the old Eddie Murphy. I love Dolomite. So was, that was Dolom- great.
1: Dolomite on your
2: uh, Mount Rushmore then?
3: No, I okay. would have taken uh, uh, um, the Golden Child. Mm. Uh, that because <laughs> that's, a, so that's well. another one of those like that moment of of nostalgia. <laughs> Eddie Murphy DJing on the old Tibetan uh, <laughs> Tibetan Post. It's a good time for me.
1: Bowfinger um, for me. Bowfinger. That's the one I've not seen. I think he, sh- he should have been nominated. For an Oscar. And they don't ever nominate comedic performances, but he should have been a supporting actor nominee for Bowfinger back in, uh, 99. So
3: if you're going to do like, uh, like Mount Rushmore's for, uh, for Boomerang, I would, I would change it rather than being like an Eddie Murphy, do it like a self-aggrandizing Mount Rushmore. Now, see,
1: I can get involved with this, because Hiro's already saying, like, all right, we kind of did Eddie Murphy. He doesn't deserve his own month. He gets one movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to pan it to Red Mike. <laughs> Coming to America, Boomerang,
2: never seen any of those.
1: <laughs> never. This is, this is how I, I handle my partner on Marcus played Derek. I just let him punch himself out. Don't even <laughs> present an argument. Just let him get tired of it himself, and then eventually he'll come around. So basically what we're saying is on Marcus plate, eventually we'll do an episode on boomerang. And that is the only Eddie Murphy movie allowed for that month.
3: I mean, if you want to do do more Eddie Murphy, I would love to. (laughs) We're fine. See, right. Thanks again.